It's June 2021. Welcome to another episode of Muse News, the BCMA's monthly museum sector news podcast. Each month, we recap some of the latest news, happenings, and announcements for museums, galleries, and heritage organizations across BC and beyond. I'm Lorenda. And I'm Ryan. Join us as we explore the latest Muse News. Thanks, Lorenda. Science World aiming to raise $10 million for upgraded exhibits. Science World has had a targeted goal of raising $10 million to help fund exhibit upgrades and expand its STEM learning initiatives. The nonprofit organization announced the launch of a fundraising campaign today amidst its ongoing revenue losses from a substantial drop in attendance during the pandemic. The attraction lost about $13 million in revenue last year. 85% of its revenue typically comes from admissions and events. Science World is aiming to direct $5 million of the fundraising's total goal towards immersive experiences, exhibit renewal, and capital projects. This includes three million for new technology and content that will provide an improved experience, new revenue opportunities, and new markets, and 1.5 million for a new digital studio and platform, upgrades to current galleries, a new greenhouse, and vital maintenance work. Another 5 million would be directed towards the acceleration of the digitization of its programs, exhibits, and STEAM, science, technology, arts, and math, content to reach the homes and classrooms of students. The Nanaimo Museum is giving some of its seldom-seen treasures a chance to shine. From the Vault, the museum's first temporary exhibit of 2021 is an exhibit of rarely exhibited artifacts and photos that carry with them some compelling and surprising stories about Nanaimo's people and history. Because of COVID, we'd had time to sit and reflect and look through our collection, says Jordan Johns, exhibit technician. Well, let's look at the things that we haven't really been displayed much or have been hidden away for a while, and we'll do some things along the lines of From the Vault, which started as a working title and then became also the title we ended up sticking with. Staff dug around in the museum's stored artifacts to find items and parts of collections to help tell stories not seen in the museum every day, stories that haven't been included in the museum's permanent displays or stories that could inspire visitors to look at Anaimo's history from different perspectives. The 12 displays within the exhibit cover history of different ethnic groups in Nanaimo, wartime internment, the 1918 flu pandemic, festivals and celebrations, and other stories. The other thing that we've done with the idea of From the Vault is that all of the staff members chose three historic photos from our photo collection and explained a little reasoning why they wanted those photos included, John said. Everybody's sections are on the walls here and it's interesting to see what inspired personal selections. Becca McDonald, Museum Communications Coordinator, said From the Vault also offered an opportunity to work with community groups. A new program, Lost from the Vault, gives museum goers a chance to test their problem-solving skills to unravel the mystery of a missing artifact. The program is designed to be fun for all ages, and participants will embark on a self-guided hunt to decode the clues, break ciphers, and solve the mystery. From the Vault runs through fall 2021. The Nanaimo Museum, located in the Vancouver Island Conference Center, is open Tuesday to Saturday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m., and admission is by donation. Built on trust, Clately Tenay and the Exploration Place model journey of reconciliation. There's a lot of unique things about Prince George, but one of the most important is the relationship between the Clately Tenay First Nation and the city's regional museum, the Exploration Place Museum and Science Center. 
Over the course of 20 years, the Exploration Place and the Claytley Tanay have worked together to preserve and showcase the living culture of the Claytley Tanay and promote a better understanding of history. The success of their partnership has even received national acclaim as a model for how Indigenous and non-Indigenous communities can work together towards reconciliation. Claytley Tanay Chief Darlene Logan says that she hopes the relationship between the Claytley Tanay and the museum can serve as a model for other regional museums, businesses, and organizations. Quote, it's been 20 years and it's probably going to last at least another hundred. This relationship will never stop. It is a strong relationship built on trust, said Chief Logan. The input of the Claytley Today into this award-winning contemporary museum is a game-changer, says Tracy Caligueros, CEO of the Exploration Place. I value the relationship with the Claytley Today, and I have said many times that I've done with them some of the most meaningful work of my career. The Exploration Place Museum and Science Center is currently closed for renovations, but is now in the process of hiring its first Claytley Today curator. A wall of shelves lined with mason jars holding memories of Chilliwack residents has filled a section of the Chilliwack Museum. It's part of a public participation exhibit at the museum called I Remember, which runs until the fall. It is an ongoing participatory collaborative installation aiming to foster personal recollections of life and community, and it's curated by museum visitors. People are invited to share their personal connections with the community throughout the entirety of the exhibition. Captured in glass mason jars and assembled from found objects, guests young and old are invited to craft their own connection to personal memory while exploring the dynamic range of the collective memory within the community. Attached to each jar is a tag on which folks who have already participated have written down their memories. People can add their memories to the exhibition anytime during its duration from now until October 16th. The museum is supplying everything that's needed, jars, labels, and a wide assortment of objects for people to place in them. People can also bring their own objects to place in the jars, but the museum is discouraging people from bringing sentimental items as they may not be returned. The goal of this exhibition is to have visitors share their own memories and build a collaborative exhibition. The aim is to show that while memories are unique, there are many commonalities in our lived experience as well. This isn't the first time the museum has asked for the public to take part in an exhibition. Last year, they were looking for local artwork for their creative and quarantine show. The museum is open Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to 4.30 p.m. and Saturdays from 10 a.m. to 4. More information on admissions can be found at www.chilliwackmuseum.ca. The Royal BC Museum and the Sisters of St. Anne reach new agreement to facilitate the sharing of Sisters of St. Anne records with Indigenous communities. The Royal BC Museum and the Sisters of St. Anne announced they have signed a Memorandum of Understanding that will provide enhanced access to the Sisters of St. Anne's private archival records to the Royal BC Museum and the Indian Residential School History and Dialogue Centre at UBC. Quote, All archives from organizations that were involved with residential schools can play a role in the process of truth-finding and reconciliation, says Dan Muzik board chair and acting CEO of the Royal BC Museum. Quote, expediting access to the Sisters of St. Anne's record to Indigenous communities is a positive step along this path. The MOU identifies that Indigenous community needs are at the center of the process of reviewing the Sisters of St. Anne records. A priority is making Indian residential school records and associated records that contain information about Sisters of St. Anne involvement at residential schools accessible to Indigenous communities, including the goal to share the records digitally. This MOU will make Sisters of St. Anne's records accessible to the Tecamloops Dissequeum as requested. Renovations will see the Sydney Museum and Archives close for three months. The closure takes effect June 1st. The renovations, funded by Heritage BC, will see a refurbishing of the floors of the facility located in the basement and lower basement floors of the Heritage-designated Old Post Office building on Beacon Avenue. 
This Sydney Museum Archive Society has also requested permission to move the museum's existing office and to create additional collection storage in steps designated to improve the visitor's experience and accessibility. An approved building permit is required. The work is the latest project at the facility, which Council Museum Society Representative Council Scott Garnett said was in a strong financial position. According to Garnett, the average donation per visitor is $5.85, up significantly from 2019, where the figure was $1.99. The museum had hoped that number would be a little higher based on the decision to extend their popular LEGO display until the end of May. But the imposed COVID-19 circuit breaker is believed to impact the numbers in a negative trajectory, he said. Museum visitor numbers for April 2021 are comparable to April 2019, but are dramatically lower overall for the year, Garnett said whereas the museum has received 3,365 visitors throughout 2021 at last count, it had re received 13,168 during the same period in 2019, he said. Despite the lower numbers, the museum remains in a strong position. Garnett also used the occasion to praise Museum Executive Director Alyssa Gerwig, who was among 190 individuals asked to attend a conference on the future of museums by the Canadian Museums Association. This is both an incredible opportunity and honor to have been invited and speaks to our community's good fortune of some running our local museum, which is held in such high esteem by the profession. A chance online discovery has led to the return of a 200-year-old headdress to its original home in northern BC. Petra Monroe is the hereditary chief of the Maihu Kios, a traditional territory about 100 kilometers northwest of Prince George. Chief Monroe says it has been amazing that her husband, Jim Monroe, spotted the headdress while browsing the online collections of the Royal Ontario Museum in 2017. Now, plans have been made for the ceremonial headdress to return sometime in September, where it will be on display at the Exploration Place Museum and Science Centre in Prince George. Quote, I couldn't wait to jump on that plane and go see it, said Chief Monroe. She and their immediate family contributed their own money to purchase plane tickets and were in awe when a guide at the museum let them see the headdress firsthand. The headdress is made of flute-shaped seashells, baleen from humpback whales, and long, intricately braided hair from the Monroe family's female ancestors. Quote, I hope one of these days, whatever the government took a long time ago, that they bring it all back, said Chief Monroe. In the 21st century, innovation often brings benefits to many people, but it also mows down jobs. A case in point, Google. While it's opened up a world of information with a few taps on a keyboard, it's wiped out countless occupations and a host of industries, and it's only accelerating with refinements to AI. But the pros and cons of innovation are not a new thing. In the late 1800s and early 1900s, new discoveries also transformed BC's fishing industry, sometimes to the detriment of workers. This is the crux of the new exhibition at the Gulf of Georgia Cannery in the Stevenson neighborhood of Richmond. The head of visitor services, Mimi Harita, told The Strait, by phone, that its name, Waves of Innovations, plays on the cannery's ocean theme and the ripple effect of adaptations and innovations on different communities. As an example, she mentioned the Iron Butcher, which mechanizes the process of carving up a salmon. Prior to its invention in 1905, there would be about 30 Chinese butchers on each canning line in Stevenson, cleaning the fish and removing their heads and tails. Maybe they would do five or six fish a minute, Harita said. This iron butcher was able to process one salmon per second. That meant that 30 skilled butchers on each line lost their jobs only to be replaced by just three people. An innovation that hurt Japanese fishers north of River Inlet in the early 20th century was the invention of the gas engine. The ban on gas engines was lifted from fisheries in 1924, Harita explained, but that excluded the Japanese-Canadian fishers. They were not allowed to use motorized boats until five years later when one fisherman fought for the right to be able to do so. 
Innovations come and go in our industry, she added, but they may be helpful for some and may put others at disadvantages. Waves of Innovation is one of 35 offerings in this year's virtual Doors Open Richmond, a free annual event designated to showcase the city's cultural diversity and heritage. Please join us next month for another installment of Muse News.